Waco Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to EcoReport. For WFHB, I'm David Lyman. And I'm Juliana Daly. Today in our feature, Enrique Sainz from the Environmental Reporter, Indiana Environmental Reporter, talks about cuts to EPA funding in Trump's budget. That's coming up later in the program, but first, your environmental headlines. China has banned the trade and consumption of wild animals in the wake of the coronavirus outbreak that has claimed more than 2,700 lives and infected more than 81,000 people, most of them in China, according to the state-run Xinchu News Agency. A temporary ban on trade in wildlife announced in January was expected to continue until the epidemic was brought under control. However, with the spread of the disease caused by the virus known as COVID-19, COVID-19, showing no signs of abating, a more comprehensive ban was passed on February 24th by the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress, which exercises legislative power in the country. Some see it as a step toward a permanent ban that would have to be enshrined in the wildlife laws of the country. If passed, it would be a big boost in the global fight against the illegal trade, since China is a major destination for trafficked animals. If China is able to shut down the illegal animal trade, it will make the world a bit safer from viruses like SARS. Though the trade in endangered species is banned under the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wild Fauna and Flora Treaty, or CITES, weak enforcement and substantial demand for animal meat and for animal products used in traditional medicines have hindered efforts to control this trade in China. The hidden dangers to public health and safety from the sale of wild animals is seen as justification for the ban. Researchers say they suspect the epicenter of the epidemic was a wet market in Wuhan, where wild animals and bushmeat were being sold. The novel coronavirus most likely originated in bats and made the jump to humans. The ban on wildlife trade and consumption is an attempt to limit the exposure of people to wild animals that could carry viruses that humans haven't encountered before and can't effectively defend against. The suggestion that the new virus passed through an intermediary host like pangolins before infecting humans has brought attention to illegal trade in wild animals. Pangolins, shy, nocturnal, scaly anteaters found in Asia and Africa, are considered the most trafficked mammals in the world. Though trade in pangolins and pangolin products is banned in China and under the CITES Treaty, there exists a massive demand for pangolin meat and scales for use in traditional medicine. Break Free from Plastic is a three-year-old organization composed of almost 1,500 companies working to end plastic pollution. The organization issues an annual ranking of the world's top plastic polluters. 
This year, the organization engaged over 72,000 volunteers from 51 countries to conduct 484 brand audits. The volunteers collected plastic waste near where they lived, amounting to over 400,000 pieces of plastic, 43% of which was clearly marked with a company brand. Plastic was cataloged in every part of the planet, including remote regions of Indonesia, the Philippines, Nigeria, and Bhutan. Break Free from Plastic was able to track over 8,000 brands responsible for the trash. This year, the top 10 global plastic polluters were Coca-Cola, Nestle, PepsiCo, Mondelez International, Unilever, Mars, Procter & Gamble, Colgate-Palmolive, Philip Morris, and Perfetti Van Meel. The world's three largest polluters were the huge corporations that manufacture bottled beverages, Coke, Nestle, and PepsiCo. Those three companies were the top plastic polluters last year also, and none of them seems to have done anything much to change its place in the ranking since then. According to a recent National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration report, the last time carbon dioxide levels were as high as they are today was three million years ago, when the temperature was four to five degrees Fahrenheit higher than during the pre-industrial era, and sea level was about 60 feet higher than today. During that period, the Pliocene era, giant camels walked around on the ice-free land above the Arctic Circle. The CO2 causing this was the result of volcanic action. More recently, the Earth passed the 400 parts per million of CO2 in the atmosphere in 2013. Rather than take it as a dire warning, we have become inured to the level of concentration. This year, CO2 concentrations are predicted to peak at 417 parts per million, according to NBC News. We've done a little more than 50 years than the Earth naturally took 10,000 years to do. University of Exeter Geography Professor Richard Betts, head of the Climate Impacts Division at the UK's National Weather Service, expects this year's CO2 concentrations to be 10% higher than normal, with 1% or 2% of that carbon rise attributed to the Australian wildfires. The fires, which raged for nearly five months, released about 900 million tons of CO2 into the atmosphere. In recent months, swarms of desert locusts have invaded the Horn of Africa, consuming food crops and pasture. While some countries are using conventional toxic synthetic chemical pesticides sprayed from aircraft to kill the locusts, Somalia is attempting to kill them by applying a biopesticide in the form of a fungus. According to Dominique Bergian, Director of Emergencies at the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, quote, We have a short window of opportunity to act, end quote, because the next generation of locusts is now maturing and could devastate crops planted at the end of March. Ethiopia and Kenya are now spraying fast-acting chemical pesticides to kill the locusts. Though the pesticides are supposed to break down within a day, villages have to temporarily move their livestock during the spraying. In Somalia, which has large grazing areas, spores of the fungus Metarhizium acridum are being applied. They produce a toxin that kills only locusts and related grasshoppers. 
Each year, New York State uses 23 billion plastic bags. In that state, a plastic bag ban has gone into effect. Businesses will no longer be permitted to provide or sell plastic bags. Some exceptions to the ban will apply. Takeaway and delivery food, prescription drugs, garbage bags, uncooked meat and fish, and some non-film plastic bags that are considered reusable. New York is the third state after California and Oregon to enact a statewide ban on plastic bags. Individual Hawaiian counties have such bans, and other states are planning to follow suit, including Maine and Vermont this year, and Connecticut and Delaware next year. In the beginning, the New York Department of Environmental Conservation plans to stress education instead of punishment for those who don't abide by the ban. Signs are appearing in shops alerting customers to the changes, and a media campaign is urging people to bring their own bags. Reasonable bags are being offered to low-income households. A California county has given the green light to what officials say will be part of the largest renewable energy storage facility in the world. The project, which is a partnership between Tesla and Pacific Gas and Electric, won unanimous approval from the Monterey County Planning Commission. NBC Bay Area reported, It is the second clean energy battery facility to be approved at the site of an underused power plant in Moss Landing. Quote, Certainly combined, this is going to be the largest battery facility in the world, so it's a big boost to our community and our country, end quote, Monterey County Supervisor John Phillips said. The new facility will have the capacity to store up to 730 megawatts of wind and solar power during off-peak hours. The most recent project will involve the installation of numerous Tesla Megapack lithium-ion batteries. The Megapack is a relatively new Tesla design following the power pack batteries it used at its storage facility in Hornsdale, South Australia, which is currently the largest lithium-ion battery in the world. A fungus that kills amphibians by invading their skin has become one of the most destructive invasive species ever recorded, a new research report says. Batrachocytrium Dendrobatidis is commonly known as BD, a type of chytrid fungus, has caused declines in 500 amphibian species and driven dozens of them to extinction, according to a report published in Science. Quote, the impact of chytrid fungus is much larger than previously thought, end quote, says Ben Scheel, a postdoctoral fellow at Australian National University, who led 40 other researchers in quantifying the devastation. They found the pathogen threatens more species than invasive rodents or cats, dwarfing the effects of other dangerous wildlife diseases such as the notorious white nose syndrome in bats. The destruction by B. dendrobatidis was first noticed in the 1980s. A 2018 study pinpointed its origin to the Korean Peninsula and it spread through global shipping and amphibian trade. When it hit previously unexposed populations, the disease created an amphibian apocalypse. Quote, the old-timer biologist would say, I never saw anything like this, end quote, recalls Michael Lanou, a biologist at the Indiana School of Medicine and an expert on the disease who was not involved in the report. Amphibians as a class are the most threatened class of extinction. Indiana still has a hunting season for frogs.
According to a new study, a home's water quality can vary drastically from room to room and season to season. The research from Purdue University, University of Memphis, Michigan State University, and the EPA also found that water being provided to a home by a utility can also vary widely in quality. The study was conducted in a three-bedroom house in West Lafayette, Indiana, with a condensed plumbing system, much like those in other single-family homes around the country, and took a year to complete. Researcher Andrew Welton, Associate Professor of Civil Engineering and Environmental and Ecological Engineering at Purdue, said, quote, The chemical levels, such as levels of lead, changed pretty significantly. The water as it entered from the utility also changed within the plumbing. The pH increased from about 7.8 to about 9.2, which is a drastic increase, end quote. Welton says the findings question the idea that the water and a public water system is the same as the water that passes through a building's plumbing at any time of the year. The study found that different plumbing materials, a varying number of occupants, and other factors could affect the water quality in a home. Welton recommends that next time you turn on a faucet for a drink of water, let the water run for a bit before filling your glass. That helps clear out the older water, which is more likely to contain contaminants. Endangered species are casualties of Trump's wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. The wall is ripping through some of the most biologically diverse desert lands in North America, says Lycan Jordal of the Center for Biological Diversity. Quote, the wall will wipe out some species off the face of the planet. The habitats for jaguars, ocelots, and wolves are being cut in half, end quote. In all, the wall is putting nearly 100 endangered species at increased risk of extinction. Before the Trump administration came to power in 2017, there were already about 650 miles of barriers in place along the roughly 2,000-mile-long border. The Department of Homeland Security is replacing tiny vehicle barriers, which wildlife and water could pass through easily with a huge solid wall that will stop every species of wildlife larger than a pocket mouse in its track, according to Jordal. Forty-three U.S. cities have toxic, so-called forever chemicals in their tap water, according to a new study by the Environmental Working Group. Those long-lasting chemicals are PFAS chemicals. With PFAS short for perimpolyfluoroalkyl, some evidence links them to cancer and lowered fertility. Earlier studies show that firefighting foam and Teflon were responsible for water contamination with PFAS chemicals. But the new research suggests that the problem is more widespread. The Environmental Working Group researchers tested for 30 PFAS chemicals, including some used heavily on stain-resistant clothing. Of 44 cities tested, only Meridian, Mississippi had no PFAS in its tap water. The city obtains its water from a 600-foot deep well. The EPA has suggested that a limit of 70 parts per trillion in drinking water for two PFAS chemicals, but some states have set stricter limits because of recent health studies. 
New Jersey set a limit of 13 to 14 parts per trillion, but the working group study showed higher concentrations in over a dozen cities. The highest levels of contamination occurred in North Carolina and Iowa. And now for our feature, we will hear Enrique Sens from the Indiana Environmental Reporter talk about cuts to EPA funding in Trump's budget. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is tasked with a huge responsibility. It's supposed to protect human health and the environment by providing clean and safe air, water, and land for all Americans. But the Trump administration wants to slash more than a quarter of its budget. In its 2021 budget proposal, the White House told Congress it wants to reduce funding for the EPA by 26%. Congress told the White House it needed to hear why it believed it could accomplish its enormous mission with a much smaller budget. The Subcommittee on Environment and Climate Change will now come to order. This morning, we welcome EPA Administrator Wheeler. Welcome, Administrator. Uh, We welcome you back to the subcommittee to examine the president's budget to request for fiscal year 2021. EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler was called to testify before the House Subcommittee on Environment and Climate Change to answer Congress's questions. This is Representative Paul Tonko of New York, chairman of the subcommittee. Once again... The president has proposed significant cuts, this time 26% below last year's enacted levels. If enacted, I fear this funding level will jeopardize the agency's ability to fulfill its mission of protecting Americans' health and our environment, and I'm certain that the House will reject this request. Tonko pointed out that the Trump administration made cuts even to programs it said were its priority, like the Drinking Water State Revolving Fund which would reduce by $260 million the money available for state project funding. The budget would also reduce staffing by 11%. Wheeler was not alone in defense of the cut proposal. Congressman John Shimkus of Illinois, Republican leader of the subcommittee, said, I noted then and I note now that the Beatles had it correctly. Money can't buy you love, and it's not certainly a guarantee of an improving environment. There are lots of worthy ideas and programs that EPA could address, but does it make the most sense to have an EPA be the one to do it every time? We should not advocate for more funding if all it is buying is bureaucracy, regulatory confusion with other agencies, or programs that don't really improve public health or the environment, but take funding from ones that do. Representative Frank Pallone, chairman of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, said he believed the EPA was putting politics before public health and that the EPA needed to do more to fulfill its mission. We're at a critical time for environmental protection. The impacts of climate change are already here affecting communities across the nation and the world. PFAS and other emerging contaminants are showing up in our drinking water, air, and soil. Our water infrastructure is crumbling and too many communities are struggling with lead contamination. And we can't afford to ignore these threats, but that is exactly what the Trump EPA's budget request does. Administrator Wheeler told the subcommittee that the U.S. is a global leader with respect to clean air and access to safe drinking water. The Trump administration is proving that environmental protection and historic economic growth can go hand in hand. Because we know that environmental issues disproportionately impact children and low-income and minority communities, we are taking strong actions to protect these populations. Wheeler pointed to updated rules on lead and PFAS and that pollution deregulation as proof of the Trump administration's earnest support for environmental regulation. A little slip-up quickly corrected told Congress how the Trump administration viewed its environmental progress. 
When it comes to enforcing the nation's environmental laws, EPA is significantly reducing compliance, increasing compliance. Wheeler was confronted for the agency's role in combating climate change. Is it fair to say that the agency's role in addressing climate change is not a priority in this budget? No, we have, we're moving forward on climate change as well. That's why we finalized our ACE rule last summer, which will show 34% reduction in CO2 from 2005 levels from the utility sector. We're moving forward with our CAFE standards, oh. which we're in, in continue to show CO2 um, reductions from cars, why we're, we're working on methane, even why we're working on food waste. Well, we reduction. went through your testimony as well as the 124 pages of EPA's budget in brief. There are essentially zero mentions of the words climate change or carbon dioxide. The only references we could find were in the section about eliminated programs, which include the Atmospheric Protection Program and the Global Change Research Program. Otherwise, there is just a single mention of methane as a potent greenhouse gas in the context of reducing food waste in landfills, which is far from the level of leadership necessary from EPA to reduce climate pollution. Well, I think our actions speak louder than the words in the budget, and we are reducing CO2 through ACE, through CAFE, through our methane regulations, and also our food waste program. The coal-friendly ACE rule, which Wheeler mentioned, was the Trump administration's plan to replace the Obama-era clean power plant. By the EPA's own estimates, the ACE rule will result in up to 1,400 more premature deaths every year by 2030. The plan gives states three years to come up with their own plans to reduce carbon dioxide emissions at coal-fired power plants. Coal-friendly states like Indiana could end up deciding to reduce emissions at the bare minimum allowed by law. Wheeler repeatedly told members of Congress that efficiencies in administration and reporting allowed the EPA to streamline the agency with less personnel and budgeting. Wheeler was also asked about the EPA Superfund program. The Trump administration proudly states that the EPA has deleted a record number of polluted sites from the national priorities list. Critics say that action is only a paper tiger. He says sites are removed from the Superfund list without actual cleanups. Representative Fallon asked Wheeler about that critique. And I just think the Superfund program is at a critical juncture. According to uh, AP, only six Superfund cleanups were completed last year, the fewest in more than 30 years. Would, would that be accurate? That is not accurate at all. Well, tell me what it is, though, quickly. Sure. We cleaned up 27, delisted 27 sites from the Superfund prior, National Priority List last year. That The author of that article does not understand the Superfund program. That's the sixth number is referring to um, construction completions. And a perfect example is when we install a pump and treat equipment at a Superfund site, that counts as a construction complete. We then have to pump and treat for years. All right, but I mean, I think that's so part the, of the, uh, the problem here is the 27 that was delisted. We delisted more sites last year than any year since 2001. The well, I think part of the problem, though, is, and I, and I want to move on because I only got two minutes left, but I think part of the discrepancy here is that for these ones beyond the six, a lot of that work was done or completed under previous administrations. We've speeded up cleanup at all the sites. We've cleaned okay. up more Superfund sites in the last three years than the Obama administration did in their first term. Well, I, I guess my concern is I think there's a real risk that you're declaring some of these sites ready for reuse by lowering the cleanup standards. Or we're not, we have not lowered any of the cleanup standards. We're using the rods that were put in place by previous administrations. What okay. we're doing is refocusing resources and getting the private sector to step up more to get the sites cleaned up at a faster rate. Right. The EPA budget, along with budgeting for the rest of the United States government, will be debated by Congress and will make its way to the president. This is the fourth time in four years the Trump administration has tried to significantly reduce the EPA's budget.
For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm David Lyman. Support for Eco Report comes from Blooming Foods Market and Deli, Bloomington's locally grown co op grocery since 1976. Offering products with a focus on local, fair trade, natural, and organic, with support for farmers, producers, agencies, and artisans. Blooming Foods Market and Deli on East 3rd Street near College Mall, West 6th Street near the Courthouse Square, and Shreve Hall on the Ivy Tech campus. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming local events. The Sassafras Audubon Society will lead a guided bird walk on Saturday, March 7th, beginning at 8 a.m. at Flatwoods Park, located at 9499 Flatwoods Road, northwest of Ellettsville. Bird species may include grassland birds like American kestrels, meadowlarks, and more. Forest species may include woodpeckers, owls, and warblers. A Griffey Lake Preserve Nature Preserve Workday will take place on Saturday, March 7th from 1 to 4 p.m. Meet at the Boathouse parking lot to partner with the City of Bloomington Parks and Recreation to help reduce invasive species such as Asian bush honeysuckle and garlic mustard. Wear long pants, long sleeves, and close-toed shoes. Register at https colon slash slash bloomington.in.gov slash park slash volunteer. Take a full worm moon hike at Spring Mill State Park on Saturday, March 7th from 8 to 9.45 p.m. Meet at the Spring Mill Inn to take the 2.5-mile hike on Trail 3 to learn all about the full worm moon. Bring a flashlight or headlamp. The next Winter Exploration Hike Series at Lake Monroe will take place on Wednesday, March 11th, beginning at 10 a.m. This hike will feature off-trail hiking in the Crooked Creek Lake area. These hikes are exploratory in nature with no set path. Be prepared for rugged terrain and the lack of formal toilet facilities. Sign up at http colon slash slash bit.ly slash weh slash Mar 11 slash 20 by March 8th. Brown County State Park continues their winter hike series with a curious quarry hike on Saturday, March 14th from 11 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Meet at the Nature Center to carpool to Horse Trail A. This is the longest hike in the series at four miles long. The route is rugged and very sloppy, so dress accordingly. Time will be allowed for exploring the quarry before heading back.
And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Today's feature was produced by IER reporter Beth Edwards. Myself, Juliana Daly, compiled our events calendar. David Lyman wrote the script, and Linda Green and Patrick Callanan edited it. Patrick Callanan produced and engineered today's show. For WFHB, I'm David Lyman. And I'm Juliana Daly. And this is Eco Report.